Welcome to Millennial 637. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. We're just going to jump straight into the big news this week because there's no avoiding it. What else can we talk about at the beginning? Trump got coronavirus. I, I, I still can't believe it. I still can't believe it. I'm still in shock. Every time I see it on TV, I'm like, no way. It was like, what, 11 p.m. Pacific, I think, when the news broke. Yeah. Pat and I were watching uh, Big Brother because he's into that. And I switched it back to MSNBC as soon as it finished. And at that point, we already knew about Hope Hicks. And I switched it over to MSNBC just as it broke. But I didn't read the lower third. I just went back to looking at my phone. And Pat's like, does that say Trump got coronavirus? I was like, oh, no, they're talking about Hope Hicks. He's like, no, it says Trump got coronavirus. I'm like, what? I immediately text Laura, Trump positive. I text my family, Trump positive. I texted like a bunch of people, except Pam. Sorry, Pam. It's okay. I was up anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Andrew broke the news for me. And like, Mark was downstairs playing Smash. My dad was already in bed. And I like go to my mom like, oh, my God. He has it. He has the Rona. And my mom's like frantically looking at CNN being like, CNN's not reporting it. And I'm like, you know, CNN doesn't report shit until everybody else has reported it. And then she like ran and woke up my dad to tell him I hear my dad in the other room go, holy shit. So it was, I love that your dad got woken up. That's amazing. It was like, and I yelled down the stairs to Mark. I was like, babe, babe, babe. And he's like, what? And I was like, he has the Rona, and he was, and Mark was just like, yeah, okay, that sounds right. <laughs> sounds about right. That's pretty Who's funny because you guys are on the East Coast, so everybody on West Coast Twitter was like, imagine being on the East Coast and sound asleep and not knowing that you're going to wake up to this. Oh, hell no. I'm yeah. a now. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> TikTok was on fire, by the way. Really? Know, yeah. It's just like, man, the zingers coming out of this news were chef's kiss. Yes, great. they really were. People were talking about the redemption arc that the 2020 writers gave COVID-19. Right, right. <laughs> um, yeah. But I do, like, just to kick off this discussion, though, I want to highlight the timeline here because it feels like it's been 100 years since last Tuesday's debate. I know it sounds weird to say last Tuesday, but legit. <laughs> this has all transpired since the Biden-Trump debate. Um, originally, Trump announced his positive diagnosis, as we mentioned, um, late Thursday, but it could have actually been as early as Wednesday, according to some of the inconsistent timelines we've gotten from his doctors and the White House, which means this motherfucker very well could have had it when he was debating Biden on Tuesday night. A 78-year-old man. Yeah, I remember at the time watching the debate and thinking, he looks really sweaty. (laughs) Like, that kept occurring to me, but I didn't think anything of it. I was like, well, those lights are hot. I suppose that's natural. And he still had the audacity to talk about Biden's big mask. I know! I was like, oh my god. Maybe that's why Melania walked in with a mask. Yeah. And then we found out later that the whole Trump side of the audience... They had masks when they walked in, or at least a few of them did, and then they took them off. And then Chris Wallace said they were offered masks after they sat down and they all waved them away. Meanwhile, dad may have had coronavirus. We also found out, speaking of the debate, that the White House never notified Biden that Trump was positive. They found out through the media, just like everybody else. 
That is sickening. It's a it's a professional courtesy. It's the right thing to do. Yeah. Notify the Biden campaign before it right. gets out there. Right, yeah. because I'm sure they were scrambling to get testing done. And that's what was on everybody's mind was, are the Bidens also infected? Yeah, well, not yeah. to mention, wasn't Trump offered a COVID test before the debate that he declined? He showed up too late, Chris Wallace said. They showed up to the auditorium too late to do the test. That would have been a third-party test, right? Look at the conspiracy theories Mm -hmm. rolling. Oh, here we go. (laughs) Because they would have have known at the debate if he was positive. And, you know, if they're trying to keep it under wraps until later, makes sense for him to show up a little late. And speaking of the timeline, a big question right now is when when was the first positive test? And when was the last negative one? We're probably never going to know unless it leaks. Because whenever that was... Whenever that changed over from negative to positive, Trump was busy that whole week. So he willingly spread the virus to somebody. The question is how many people. Right. And really what we where we I think it's a very good educated guess. And I think most of us are on the same page of the, about this at this point. But it all seems to be linked to this event that occurred in the Rose Garden um, where Trump and a number of people in his circle got together uh, for the Amy Coney Barrett announcement um, for her <laughs> appointment to the Supreme Court. I <laughs> I've started calling this the COVID cotillion. You're not going with the Rose Garden massacre, like Twitter. The Rose Garden massacre was another one. The Republican red wedding. The red wedding. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that one's my favorite. Unlike the Bowling Green Massacre, the Rose Garden Massacre actually happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we do have a list of everybody who has tested positive so far. So we, of course, have Trump, Melania, Hope Hicks, who's an aide to the president, Nicholas Luna, who's an assistant to the president, um, Senators Mike Lee, Tom Tillis, Ron Johnson, uh, former advisor to the president, Kellyanne Conway, uh, Bill Stepien, who's the campaign manager, Ronna McDaniel, the RNC chairwoman, Chris Christie, and Kaylee McEnany, who's the press secretary. <laughs> so it's, she was I mean, literally, one. yeah, everybody who's in his closest circle, basically. Let's give it up for karma, huh? That is something. <laughs> oh, Rushing yeah. through this Supreme Court pick. And here comes karma and the coast of RBG saying, hell no, you're not nominating this person. If you do, I'm going to make you pay for it. Chris Christie, by the way, checked himself into the hospital preemptively, you know, just in case. Oh, to have that, that nice? luxury. I was going to say, no. be able to yeah. check yourself in for fun. Right. Meanwhile, normal people are getting turned away for less. Right. Or think they should go to the hospital, but can't afford it. Right. That's um, So we're now, I mean, you know, this is evolving very quickly, but we're also hearing that McConnell has canceled Senate hearings for the next two weeks because, as Laura mentioned, three senators have now tested positive. The Supreme Court hearings have not been delayed, though. They are going to push that through come hell or high water. They are going to make that happen before the election because they know Trump is probably going to lose and they don't want to risk it. I also love this footage of this Amy Coney Barrett event. You see everybody talking without masks on, getting close to each other's faces. And hugging each other. Like, as a parent, how could you let your kids, like, in that cesspool without masks? Right. You know what I mean? Some mom. Yeah. 
Kellyanne COVID is right up in Bill Barr's face. Yes, I said Kellyanne COVID on purpose. Right (laughs) up on Bill Barr's face. I texted the picture of that to Laura and I said, get Barr. (laughs) Come on, COVID. (laughs) Come for Barr. (laughs) I mean, these people just look so stupid in hindsight. Yeah, they do. Uh, Claudia Conway, Kellyanne's daughter, actually outed her on TikTok. Yep. I was like, good for her. Yeah, she was like, my mom literally brought COVID home to the whole family. Thanks, mom. <laughs> my mom sucks, guys. Gosh. <laughs> well, you know, if it's Meanwhile, like, she's breaking the news. If they're not going to inform the people they've been in contact with, somebody has to. Yeah. Right. So I shared this with you guys right before we started recording. Claudia Conway said in the TikTok comments just a short while ago that Donald is actually not better. Apparently, he's doing badly, LOL, and they are doing what they can to stabilize him. You know, that has weight now that she broke the news of her mom's infection before anybody else. She she is the spy on the inside for sure. So. <laughs> I love it. Well, we'll talk about this in a little bit, just about the uncertainty that has surrounded all of this and some of the, I guess we could call them conspiracy theories that we've heard from... Those who have doubts about the president actually being sick, that is something that we'll talk about a little bit later on in the discussion. But it's interesting Mm -hmm. that you bring up that she says that because I've sort of been playing through the various scenarios like, okay, what if he isn't sick? What is the outcome? What if he is sick, but he's actually sicker than what's being portrayed? So it's interesting to hear you bring that up. Yeah. I'm also seeing footage. So... He just got back to the White House, and I'm seeing footage now of him arriving at the pearly gates at the White House, and there's a close-up shot of him. uh, uh, This is video, and he is really gasping for air. Like, it is abundantly clear. Like, you're seeing his shoulders really rise and fall. But he's just so desperate to convince people right now that he is okay, because the election is now less than a month away. Yeah. So Trump was in the hospital. I mean, you know... Getting COVID is one thing, but being hospitalized for it is a whole other thing. I almost felt bad for him at that point. I was like, this guy, he's been so stupid. I know. I know. Now I'm back to wishing he died of this. Um, well, but during his. I, extended- we don't want, don't want to say that. Yeah. Not yet, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> I don't want Pence. Okay. I thought you were just saying that because it was too evil. Oh, no. Oh. Okay, let's maybe we can like clear the air with this. There's nothing wrong with not feeling bad about Trump getting COVID. Yeah. I don't feel bad about it. I feel no. bad for the country. It puts the country in a bad place. It brings up yeah. some like economic questions and national security questions. Not a good place for us to be as a country. But for him as an individual, I don't give a fuck. I think that our attitudes would be the same if we saw anybody, any other random person in our lives being as reckless as this, you know? It's like, well, what did you expect was going to happen? You're out there canoodling with all these people and none of you guys are wearing masks and you're like breathing down each other's throats and you're subscribing to this theory that coronavirus is not real. You're Mm going to get what you're going to get. It's literally like if he had been, if he had spent the last seven months running out into like heavy traffic and being like, look, guys, I didn't get hit. See, I never get hit. And then one day he gets hit by a bus. Like, would we be surprised? Mm -hmm. No. Exactly. So anytime I see people like pulling this gaslighting shit of being like, oh, well, 
you know, you can't, that's mean. Like, you gotta, you gotta set your politics aside. Fuck that. He's you didn't president. set your politics aside the million different times you made fun of people like me for being scared of the coronavirus. So fuck that. Yeah. And fuck I, you. Yeah. I don't, at the end of the day, I don't wish ill on anybody, but I also have no sympathy for somebody that was essentially asking for it. Asking for it and endangering so many fellow Americans. Right. That's yep. the thing that really, and then right. just days before his diagnosis, making fun of a 78 year old man for wearing his mask everywhere he goes. Like I said, Miss Karma is a real bitch. Mm -hmm. So while he was in the hospital, three full days, by the way, three nights, we were getting these inconsistent messages from his doctors. You could just tell that his doctors had this directive from the president, you know, tell people everything's okay. It's not a big deal. Meanwhile, he's on all these different types of cocktails, medical cocktails to to make him feel better. He's on steroids. He's still in the middle of a steroid treatment right now. So he's he's got this high within him that's going to fade out in the next day or so. Um, and we would also get these video messages and this these pictures of him pretending to work when he was just signing blank pieces of paper with a Sharpie. The photos were taking 10 minutes. <laughs> there was a 10 minute gap between photos clearly showing that he was just taking some photos and then going back to bed to watch television. And then in one of the videos, he's saying like, you know, Melania doesn't have it as bad as me. She's a little bit younger than me. Meanwhile, there's a 24 year age difference. Like, give me a break. Yeah. He said he had to get out of the White House. He couldn't take it anymore. But it's like, dude, you're just going to a hospital. That's not any better. Um, and then in this other in the same video, he spoke about going to real school about COVID. Now he's learned, guys. He's learned his lesson, which, right. of course, is bullshit. Now that he's left the hospital, he's going to go back to not wearing a mask, as we saw him do mere minutes ago. And he's going to ignore scientists and doctors. And he's going to hold rallies while he's infected, probably. Well, yeah. I mean, just take a look at what he tweeted earlier today that it wasn't that bad right so he's still yeah down he said, don't be scared yeah, don't be scared of the virus so it's already downplaying mm -hmm. a very serious issue because it's assuming that like let's just say he really had an easy go of it it's assuming that every single person that contracts coronavirus is also going to have a similar experience and we've already seen that that's simply not the case yeah right. it's it's a real slap in the face to the two hundred and ten thousand people who've died in this country, mm -hmm. not to mention everyone else who's died from this around the world, to suggest that you just have to have a strong enough will to be able to overcome this virus. Especially when right. there's, there's, at this point, no clear evidence that he's actually doing better. As Andrew discussed, there's very inconsistent reporting about the president's current status. Anytime you do see him on camera, he doesn't look well. And just or based sound on, well. Yeah. And just based on what we know about how this virus works, being older and clinically obese are two really serious, you know, criteria that can make the infection a lot worse. He checks both of those boxes. And what was also irresponsible about that tweet is that he has the privilege of going to Walter Reed and receiving the best medical care in the world. He's acting like anybody would have access to that, which, of course, is not the case at all. And that's why 200,000 plus people have died. Yep. I can't also fathom how this is happening in the month before the election. The timing is so beautiful. 
we could not have asked for this to occur at a better time, I think, because he's off the campaign trail, which is now driving him insane. And he's going to go out there and be irresponsible and campaign while he's still infected. And, you know, meanwhile, Joe's still out there because he's been wearing a mask. He's been participating in social distancing guidelines, etc. I'm afraid this is going to drive a whole new wave of irresponsibility. Um, yes. As evidenced by the fact he went on a fucking joyride around Walter Reed to wave to his supporters. I mean, it was literally the equivalent of taking the toddler for a car ride to, like, satiate them before you put them to bed. To be honest, I haven't looked very closely at this uh, footage, but I highly doubt that the majority of the people waiting out there were wearing masks and keeping their distance. No. So to encourage and also um, essentially, you know, reward them for bad behavior, which is what got him in the hospital in the first place. What kind of a message does that send? Yeah. And also um, Dr. James Phillips, who's who has admitting privileges at Walter Reed, said every single person in the vehicle during that completely unnecessary presidential drive-by just now has to be quarantined for 14 days. They might get sick. They may die for political theater commanded by Trump to put their lives at risk for theater. This is insanity. I hate that it keeps happening, but I love when, you know, Trump says one thing about officials like, for example, the hospital all agreeing that this was an okay thing to do. And then officials coming out yeah. and being like, actually, yeah. no. Right. He needed it to jerk off his ego. Yeah. Right. That's exactly. why he went out there. Not to mention, um, as of late August, dozens of Secret Service agents had tested positive for coronavirus. So now I'm just thinking yeah. about the poor agents who were stuck in that fucking car with him, knowing he's yeah. positive. He's knowingly exposing people at this point, which just further illustrates that he is the most incompetent individual who can be attempting to lead us through this crisis. A big question that I've been thinking about is how will undecided voters take this news? If they've been on the fence all this time and now Trump has been hospitalized for COVID-19, is he going to get a sympathy vote out of them? I would hope it would depend on their stance on the current coronavirus pandemic. And I would hope that they all understand how um, dangerous it is, you know, and and what got him to where he is right now in the first place. Like the only reason he's sick is because he had, the rules were so simple. There's no reason why everybody shouldn't be following them. Yeah. If polling is to be believed, and I mean, remember the conversation we had about polling a couple of weeks ago, There are some caveats you have to consider um, before you just take polling at face value and assume that it's telling you the ultimate outcome. Um, But if polling is to be believed, the majority of Americans think that Trump has handled this irresponsibly and that what he's been through in the past few days are sort of it's sort of like um, he's made his bed and now he's lying in it. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of it will depend on what the next few days hold in store. You know, if he, you know, if they're able to continue keeping him stable at the White House and not need to send him back to Walter Reed, um, that would give him an opportunity to put this behind him before getting to the election. But I honestly don't know. Um, I don't know. I'll get into my 
paranoia here in a few minutes. <laughs> yeah. I think that if you're an undecided voter and you see that Trump got it, that has to alarm you because it tells you that if Trump can get it, anybody can get it. He should be the most protected person in America from coronavirus. Now, of course, he's flaunting all of these guidelines. He's not listening to them. And that's why he got it. But I just think it speaks to how incompetent the administration is that he actually could get infected. So if you're an undecided voter, I think you have to be like, if we can't trust this guy to protect himself from coronavirus, how do we expect him to protect us from terrorist attacks or anything else going on in this country? And I think when you consider that paired with, you know, its close proximity to the comments that he made about coronavirus not being that big of a deal during the debate. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. pretty, pretty damning for him. I mean, I think that were it any other election, I think the candidate who is going through all of this would be sunk. But there's something different about Trump. And it makes me worried that we might start seeing people getting complacent and thinking like, oh, he's definitely done and we can't yeah. have that because it's the same shit that happened in 2016. And that's what's terrifying about this whole situation at the end of the day, right? It's that it's possible that he could be spinning all of this for his political gain and to push this narrative that everyone's ready to reopen. And you can survive coronavirus. Just like yeah, you did. Yeah, exactly. You too can survive coronavirus. <laughs> well, and that's that's what's frightening to me is I feel like that that is really the narrative they're trying to spin. Trump actually shared a quote um, from the New York Post about him, which like the fact that you think the New York Post is legitimate says a lot about you. But at the same time, I think <laughs> it, it perfectly captures what the GOP's narrative is going to be for the rest of this campaign season. And the quote said... Trump will be an invincible hero who not only survived every dirty trick the Democrats threw at him, but the Chinese virus as well. He will show America we no longer need to be afraid. And then you had um, Senator Kelly Loeffler put up uh, like a GIF showing Trump body slamming the coronavirus in a wrestling <laughs> rink. Um, then also Matt Ga Gates. I always forget how to say his name. Um, he put up, he's basically trying to make a Chuck Norris joke and was like, Trump won't need to recover from coronavirus. Coronavirus will need to recover no. from Trump. That's where <laughs> they're taking this. God. I'm telling y'all. And this is what yeah. really frightens me because if he does recover and there aren't any visible to the public consequences for this illness, if he really was that sick, this is going to be what they do. They're going right. to pull the dear leader narrative. Like they're literally already going like full on North Korea. Like no Chinese virus can take down our great leader. It's pretty terrifying. This is what scares me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I completely agree with that. And I'm really scared to see what happens over the next month because I'm, I'm just going to be so sad if I see him going out to events over the next week or two. He's going to be infected for the next week or two. Mm -hmm. If he's in good health or not, he's still going to be infected. And it's just going to make me sick to my stomach to see these people going out and everybody on the right being like, you know, he can do what he wants. He's fine. You know, he survived COVID. You know, all, all's good. That's basically the latest on what's going on. I'm sure there will be many more developments in the days ahead. 
What's going on with the debates? Because the VP debate is coming up Wednesday. I'm really excited for that one. Yeah. So the VP debate is still slotted to happen this Wednesday. However, if Politico is to be believed, there is some drama about uh, whether or not there will be plexiglass separating Vice President Pence from Senator Kamala Harris. Um, originally, their podiums were set to be seven feet apart. They have now negotiated it to be, I think, 13 feet apart. However, the Harris campaign still justifiably wants there to be plexiglass between the two of them. And Pence's yeah. campaign is pushing back against that and saying really his campaign spokeswoman said something really petty, like if she wants to, you know, shelter herself off, then so be it. Build a um, fortress. Yeah. She said. Yeah. So they're again, this is part of them trying to push the narrative that the Republicans are brave warriors who will face the coronavirus and they won't let it stop them from working unless you're in the Senate and you don't want to do anything except push through a Supreme Court nominee. But like, never mind. <laughs> right, right. Um, at the same time, Trump, as of today, was saying he still wants to show up to the next debate with Biden on the 15th. And I'm certain, certain that they're doing that because they want Biden to say no so that they can be like, see, we we were open to the debate, but he's too scared. Well, maybe Biden can say yes if they put Trump in a bubble and then put plexiglass over. I think right. they should just do it over Zoom. That too. They should. And I just saw a report before recording that a virtual debate is being considered. But I don't think Trump's going to go for that. You know, he wants to be there in person cutting off Biden. Yeah, and shit. I could see him also just saying, you know, um, I'll do a debate, but only a traditional debate or none at all. Mm-hmm. Like, didn't he back out of, of one of the debates the first time he ran? No. Or was no, there? He threatened, like, he threatened, to. He threatened right? to. Okay, got it. Quite well, often. So, sa- same, yeah. same song, different year, right? Right. The, the Biden-Harris campaign has every reason to say we are not participating in an in-person debate. The Trump campaign has lost all respect. There's no trust there. Trump is walking into that debate last week. In all likelihood, probably having already tested positive and they told nobody. And my theory here, and I don't think this is a crackpot theory, but if he did test positive, let's say the day of the debate, of course, they're not going to cancel the debate at the last minute and admit that he has coronavirus. That just would have been a PR nightmare. So they had to wait. But they have no room to talk anymore. So if Biden or Harris wants to cancel a debate because they don't trust the Trump campaign, they have every fucking reason to. I agree. I'm just afraid of how this will be spun. Oh, I know. I know. know. It's. Yeah. uh, I'm really scared that they're going to go this route of like trying to prop Trump up as like the great leader, the great defeater of the coronavirus just in time for the election, you know? Right. There have been a lot of theories on the left, and I have to say, I'm disappointed in the left. You know, we're we we all we're always like, what the fuck? The right has so many different conspiracy theories about, you know, QAnon and all these other things. And yet, you know, here comes the left with their own conspiracy theories. As soon as Trump comes down with coronavirus, he's faking it. He's in the hospital to fake it so he can come out and say he survived it. You know, and yes, of course, he's going to do those things, but he legitimately got coronavirus. Okay, let's not pretend that he was making this whole thing up. 
he had coronavirus. This still looks terrible for him, even if he did come out the other side surviving it. But I just think that's kind of commentary on where we're at in this country, where we can't take anything that Trump says at face value. And like, does it sound a little unhinged? Maybe you could argue so. But at the end of the day, what do you expect when he's a pathological liar? Yeah, so my feeling about this is we have been gaslit and lied to for four years. And I think it is only natural to view anything that the White House tries to tell us with heavy skepticism. I tend to agree with you, Andrew. I think that I've played this through in my head multiple times over the weekend, like trying to think, okay, how like how would this provide the maximum benefit? What's the most that it can hurt him? And I think that it would not make very much sense for them to outright lie and say that he has coronavirus when he doesn't have it. However, I think that at the very least, we can't trust what the White House is telling us about his current condition. I think Mm -hmm. I could see them lying about it either way. I mean, I almost wondered on Friday when they took him to Walter Reed, I was like, okay, this really has to be very bad because the White House is equipped with top-notch medical facilities so that the president doesn't have to do that unless it's an absolute emergency. And they also airlifted him to Walter Reed in Marine One. Again, they typically drive there. It's not that far. So, yeah, yeah, I think from an optics perspective, this hasn't done him too many favors. I'm just concerned that they're tying the bow up on it early enough that the public may move on from it on to the next outrage before the election. Does that make sense? I feel like yeah. they're very much spinning it no matter whether he's sick or not. You know, it almost doesn't matter. Yeah. Since we're talking about the election, we wanted to talk about a couple of related points. Um, so there is some voter suppression fuckery happening for everyone to be aware of. First of all, in Texas, um, Governor Greg Abbott has mandated that there is only there only be one ballot drop box per county. Anyone who lives in Texas, it's a big fucking state and it means that there are big fucking counties. So if you only have one drop box to serve an entire county, that's going to be a problem. Um, Greg, Greg Abbott is already facing a couple of federal lawsuits over this. So hopefully it fixes that. And then um, North Carolina is reportedly rejecting ballots from its black residents at four times the rate of its white residents, being very nitpicky over things like, does your signature match the signature that we have on file for you? Did you have a witness sign your ballot? Because apparently that's a thing in North Carolina. Um, It's not a thing in all states. Um, So they're really just going down the checklist to like find little things that they can nitpick, especially Mm -hmm. for first-time voters. Um, So just something to keep an eye out for if you're in North Carolina. Make absolutely sure that you follow the rules on your absentee ballot to a T because they're looking for a reason to throw this stuff out. I I believe there's been a lawsuit mounted about this as well. Good. Um, also, in light of everything that's happened in the last few days, Trump's path to victory is narrowing, which is yeah. good news. Um, I know that hearing the name 538 could be triggering for some people because <laughs> 538 was heavily relied upon in the last election. 
And many, many of us were uh, very shocked at how that election turned out. I will say in 538's defense, they weren't wrong on the popular vote. We were all just kind of focusing too much on that and not looking at the Electoral College possibilities. And that was also very fluky, what happened in the last election. Um, But Mm -hmm. 538 actually has some really good projections showing the various Electoral College outcomes. And they're only reporting four possible Electoral College outcomes that would work in Trump's favor. And all of them require him to have the states of Texas, Florida, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, like all of those southern states. If he loses any one of those states, plus a handful of others that are represented on this map, it really throws things in Biden's favor. And you have southern states like Georgia, which should not be swing states, but are absolutely Mm -hmm. considered toss up states this election. Yeah. You know what I found comforting? And I know like you were just saying, um, people are weary of polls after what happened in 2016. If you go to the New York Times' polling area, they have a column. So they have uh, the polling leader column. And then they have an if polls are as wrong as they were in 2016 column. So this takes into effect how wrong the polls were in 2016 and then recalculates the numbers. And if you look at this one chart, the numbers aren't as favorable to Biden if you're taking into account what happened in 2016, but Biden is still winning. So I really appreciate that they have this because of the skepticism around polls right now. And I also just want to call out this national poll from the NBC, from NBC News, Wall Street Journal. Biden is up 14 points, <laughs> 14, 53 to 39. I know we can't trust polls and all that, but wow, that is a big gap. Well, Yes. And I think that we should definitely feel heartened seeing that Trump's path to victory is continuing to narrow. However, Andrew, I wanted us to get in the time machine and just recall what was happening almost this exact same time four years ago in terms of projections. I don't want to remember. (laughs) Well, I think we all should because we can't get complacent. Okay. Four weeks from today, four weeks from today, this starts to fill in. Red states, blue states, we count the votes. Election day is four weeks from today. One of the reasons Republicans are so nervous is because of this. An NBC Wall Street Journal poll released yesterday, Hillary Clinton not only with an 11-point lead, but as Glenn just in the last block, Donald Trump at 35%. He's a major party candidate, getting just over a third of the vote. That's not the only reason Republicans are nervous. They look at the state polls, and in recent days, Clinton leading in Florida, Clinton leading in North Carolina, Clinton leading in Ohio. Clinton leading in Nevada. I could go on and on and on. Clinton leading in the battleground states. Why does that matter? Because this is the math that matters on Election Day. How do you get to 270? We already believe if the election were today, Secretary Clinton would cross that threshold and win the election. Donald Trump has to take some of this blue back. But at the moment, the moment in the toss-up states, the gold, Clinton's leading, Clinton's leading, Clinton's leading, Clinton's leading. So Republicans look at this map and think she could be, as of today, on a path to an electoral college blowout, even bigger than Obama in 2012. So Donald Trump says, I get the math. I get it's uphill. I'm going to work and fight to the very end. Well, he did work and fight till the very end. And he did. And we should all have felt a shiver run up our spine because that video was from like October 11th, 2016. Here we are, early October. 
Yes, it's looking very favorable for Biden, but there is absolutely no reason to get complacent. We all have to make sure that we're counted. We have to make sure that we vote. Absolutely. Another reminder we wanted to give for what's at stake. Um, So on the day that we're recording this episode, the Supreme Court actually convened for the first time since Ruth Bader Ginsburg's death. And um, Justices Thomas and Alito lashed out against the court's 2015 decision, which legalized marriage equality. Um, This was in response to an appeal in the Kim Davis case. We'll all remember her as um, (laughs) uh, she's from Kentucky, right? The Kentucky clerk who refused to issue marriage licenses to gay couples because it violated her religious beliefs. Um, That case saw an appeal. The Supreme Court today refused to hear it because they considered this settled. However, Thomas and Alito both lashed out, and Thomas, for once in his life, actually wrote an opinion um, and said, this enables courts and governments to brand religious adherents who believe that marriage is between one man and one woman as bigots, making their religious liberty concerns that much easier to dismiss. This is a signal that this Supreme Court could very likely move in the direction of diminishing marriage equality rights in favor of religious liberties. So just something to keep in mind. And another thing that is on the ballot, even if it's not physically on the ballot. Okay, well, this has been a really crazy week. And if you need help getting through it all, this week's sponsor is for you, Talkspace. I know what you're thinking. Therapy equals spending money, and I don't have it right now. Yes, money may be tight right now. So investing in yourself may not be top of mind. But mental health is a necessity, not a luxury. And guess what? Taking care of yourself doesn't have to break the bank. Investing in your mental health has long-term benefits, and with Talkspace, it can actually be affordable. Change is constant, but in the new normal, it feels like there's something new to grapple with every day, every hour, really. With Talkspace Online Therapy, connect with a licensed therapist for a fraction of the price of in-person therapy. Get matched with your perfect therapist from the comfort of your device and reach out 24-7 whenever something's on your mind. I love Talkspace because of this. I keep my Talkspace tab open throughout the day, and my therapist and I go back and forth in messaging each other. I just love it. And this is why you'll love it, too. The news the past couple of weeks has been extra crazy, and if you ever need someone to help you grapple with what's going on, you can hit up your therapist who can help you deal with all of this. And no matter what you need to talk about, rest easy knowing that the Talkspace network is composed of thousands of licensed therapists who have experience in over 40 specialties, including, but not limited to, treating depression, anxiety, substance abuse, trauma, relationship issues, food and eating, and much more. The bottom line is that we all need someone to talk to. Talkspace wants to give us the support we deserve at a price we can afford. As a listener of this podcast, you can get $100 off your first month on Talkspace. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com or download the app. Make sure to use the code M-I-L-L to get $100 off your first month and show your support for the show. That's M-I-L-L and Talkspace.com. I wanted to give everybody a little update on working for the Biden campaign. I've been a part of the text for Biden banking, I guess you could call it. The first group of numbers I got, a lot of them were Trump supporters. <laughs> and that wasn't the best way to start this off because I was getting some wild messages from people. And uh, let me pull up my folder here. Um, 
<laughs> so I texted this message to everybody the first day. I'm Andrew, a volunteer with the Democrats. We're offering virtual events this Thursday afternoon to train voters like you to organize their communities and turn out voters for Joe. You know, harmless message. One of the first replies. Hi, Andrew. Are you into touching little boys and girls? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. So I just uh, archived that conversation. Here was another one. Hi, I'm sure not Paula. Fuck no. Fuck Biden. Why don't you join the train? The Trump train. Go Trump 2020. 5,000 exclamation marks. Archived that one. Moving along. (laughs) (laughs) Same message that I sent to them. Can you help volunteer? I'm sorry, I will be plucking my eyeballs out with a hot soldering iron, which seems more enjoyable than this event. So no, I won't, and take my number off this list and any other list. You're wasting your time and my time. So you get some messages like that. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. But you get a lot of good messages too. Things like, I don't have the time to help out, but thank you for reaching out, and I will be voting for Joe. Some people, on the other hand, just replied MAGA. And then you move on. But they also have a lot of pre-written replies as well. So if somebody asks you something that's kind of common, they typically have a response that you can send them. And you're free to respond how you want as well within their parameters. Um, but obviously, you shouldn't fight with these people. So uh, I did not reply fuck off to the person who said, are you into touching little boys and girls? I just move on. And you know what? I don't even get mad about it because these are just strangers. I've never, you know, I'm never going to communicate with them. Right. Um, But you really do make a difference, too, because some people reply kindly and then ask for information about Biden's stances on issues. They say, I'm an undecided voter. And in my head, I'm thinking like, oh, my God, this motherfucker, what's wrong with him? But I try to help. And I'm like, wow, I actually have some power here. I have the power to influence them to vote for Biden. So it's really cool. And it's been a feel good experience overall. Issa says, if only Andrew was single, this would be a great way to meet new interesting people. (laughs) (laughs) What it? I don't think that would be allowed either. I can't date through the text for Biden campaign. (laughs) Uh, No, but it's it's really cool. I'm actually doing my text training this week. Um, So I'm going to be getting on the text train as well. Um, but also I'm going to be doing training for phone banking because I've decided that I'm going to do quite a bit of phone banking leading up, but I'm actually carving out the day before the election to phone bank all day. Nice. Yeah. Um, but they make it really easy if you just go to the website and say you want to sign up to volunteer. Um, they have so many different training events that you can go to. And through yeah. that, you can actually learn about other events that they're doing. Like they did a fundraiser on Friday with uh, Barack Obama, Kamala Harris, and Michael B. Jordan. And it was like, yeah, like if you're signed up or if you've already donated, here's your RSVP to the event. And it was just a really good conversation about voting accessibility and, you know, the integrity of the election. So lots of good stuff that you can yeah. take advantage of, too. Also, in the 2020 Victory Slack, there is a channel dedicated to sharing nice things that people reply with. So if you're feeling kind of down because people accused you of being a pedophile, you can just go to the Text Nice Things channel and see what some really nice Americans (laughs) are saying to fellow volunteers. (laughs) Yeah, every time I get a text message from a volunteer, I always try to reply and say something nice. Like, oh, I'm already, already covered. You got me. Right. I've been Um, doing that, too, now that I've been on the other side of it. Same. 
So I would recommend it. Um, you can learn more. We'll include a link in the show notes uh, if you want to text or call. Or I've heard people write postcards. I didn't know yeah. this was a thing. That I did seems this in, really uh, cool. I did it in 2018. That's awesome. Yeah. Good stuff. Some people replied being like, I'll write postcards. I'm like, okay, and then please go this way. Um, well, I had a, a small update that would typically be like a shooting the shit type update, but we didn't want to bury the lead in terms of Trump having coronavirus. So some of you may remember that I was very much a proponent of voting absentee this year. I still think it's a great thing to do. I requested my absentee ballot in July, didn't get it until last week. And what I got in the mail was a crumpled, torn up ballot that I think had gotten wet (laughs) at some point because it was literally adhered to the adhesive of the return envelope. No. um, That would require tearing (laughs) in order to get it off so I could fill it out. Um, I contacted my county registrar's office and they were like, oh, yeah, we can give you another ballot. But first, we have to send you an affidavit and you have to fill that out and then send it back to us and then we'll send you a ballot. And I'm just not confident in that turnaround time. I know it's the beginning of October, but it took long enough for me to get my initial ballot that I just don't feel personally comfortable about that. So I will actually be voting in person. Awesome. Um, Yeah. So that it's definitely changed my plans, but I wasn't going to let it stop me from voting. So So you're going to show up in a hazmat suit, five masks over your face. Yeah, I was thinking there's actually a really good Ruth Bader Ginsburg mask. It's not it doesn't have any like political (laughs) stuff on it. Obviously, it just has Uh her um, dissenting collar on it. Uh It's just a black mask with a dissent collar on it. And I thought about getting one of those to wear. (laughs) Okay. Um, And I'm also going to lose my shit if there's any of those proud boy poll watchers there because I don't have fucking time for that. Bring a lady friend with you and just start making out in front of them. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I think that might be too like titillating for them. Did you see the reason I say that is because people have been trying to hijack the proud boys hashtag this week. Yeah. With with a lot of gay stuff. (laughs) Pretty successfully. But no, it's okay. I'm. You know, I feel fine going to the polls. I'm going to go during early voting um, to try mm-hmm. and cut down on some of my exposure. My polling place is always really super organized. I have no doubt that they will be enforcing social distancing. And if they don't, I certainly will, uh, because I've been enforcing social distancing in stores <laughs> when people get too close to me. So I have no problem doing that in the polling place yeah. either. And there's been a big push to register people to vote, right, Pam? Yeah, I think that you guys talked a little bit about how social media sites like Snapchat and Instagram and Facebook have been really relentless with their registered to vote banners. Um, I think everybody that uses those sites has probably seen that by now. Uh, But I also have noticed that there's also been a very large push from celebrities who are urging their fans to register, specifically headcount.org has been going really strong, running a lot of these massive campaigns with um, stars and also social media influencers in an effort to entice their audiences to register or check their registration to make sure they're all set for election day. Um, and I was just kind of wondering if you all feel as though this is ultimately helpful or hurtful, just in terms of like the volume 
um, of of how much like this it gets is annoying right now. Yeah, yeah. Because um, obviously the idea, I guess, is to entice the the younger population to to do this. I don't know. Sometimes I I just kind of worry that it's like counterproductive if it's too in your face all the time. Actually, it's interesting you bring that up because. I cannot get that Instagram banner to go right, away. Right. It's like, you know, I, I, I close yep. it out and then it comes back a mm-hmm. day later. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I guess on one hand, I appreciate that. So people who haven't registered actually may register. But on the other hand, it's like, I did register to vote. Leave me alone. Like, there, maybe there needs to be a button there that says I registered to vote. Or can't they can't they check that and then find? I don't know. Like, yeah, that's all. I guess it'd be record. hard to match me. Yeah. Right. I guess it'd be hard to match me this at Andrew Sims with the voting record. But yeah, I- I'm with you, actually. It has gotten a little annoying. Once you close out those banners, they should stay away. I mean, because we've yeah. still got a month left. So I just I worry about fatigue, you know, I could be biased. It doesn't particularly bother me because I'm always really excited when somebody asks me if I'm <laughs> like, I went and got my freaking flu shot the other day and the doctor was like, have you ever had a flu shot before? And I very proudly was like, every year. <laughs> so that's who, Here's a history. That's who I am. Every day I've gotten a flu right. shot. I have yeah. my vaccine history. <laughs> that's amazing. I really do think it'll make a difference, though. All these messages. You got Instagram, Snapchat, a lot of celebrities. We spoke a few months ago about Taylor Swift getting the message out. And I think we spoke about a study or something that uh, it it showed how many people she actually got to register to vote so these really do make an impact but we have to make sure these people actually are going to be showing up for election day so i expect these same celebrities these same apps to remind everybody in that week you know once early voting is happening basically everywhere maybe these apps and these celebrities need to be on it nonstop through november 3rd that's a good point because a lot of it is follow through right you know it's one thing to campaign to get people to register but it's another thing to keep with it after you know your campaign is done and and to keep people yeah you know interested and and ready to go out and vote so and i will say three million people have already voted that yeah that those are that's higher than normal isn't it un yes un heard of i mean at this point in 2016 i don't even know if we had clocked a hundred thousand that's crazy well it's good hopefully it's good turnout is going to be huge i think there's no doubt at this point by the way a little lighter thing um snl finally came back they're doing in studio episodes it seems too early in my opinion i don't really get that but what did you guys think of jim carrey as joe biden um i have to say i was pleasantly surprised I think I was one of the, I don't want to call myself a naysayer. I was a little skeptical. I'm not the, the biggest Jim Carrey fan, and I find his brand of humor like more slapstick and physical. But I thought that he actually embodied Joe really well. To me, it felt too Jim Carrey still. And I was afraid of this. I was afraid he was still going to be comedian Jim Carrey. I still prefer the other versions of Biden that have been done on SNL. I agree with you. I think it's really hard sometimes to separate Jim Carrey from himself. It's like very similar to Adam Sandler. It's like 
you know it's Adam Sandler playing a character. <laughs> he doesn't try to look different ever. Right, exactly. <laughs> but but I do think he did a, a pretty good job. He's very um Jim Jim Carrey is very expressive and there were quite a few times where I was just like that that's really good. He did a good job capturing the the expression of yeah. um, you know of Biden's facials. I left out a few t- uh, left out loud a few times for sure. Right, yeah, right. for sure. Like measuring the distance between the two yeah, podiums with really the tape good. measure. That yeah. was that yeah. was really funny. And then he shifted the podium right. a little further away. That was <laughs> it good. was scripted really well too. They they hit on a lot of the the bigger, more buzzworthy uh parts of the debate and and obviously like embellished on them. So actually I'm glad you bring that up because I think the opposite. That debate was so beyond parody. It was so fast paced. There was so much talking over each other that that debate that they tried to do on SNL actually kind of paled in comparison because it wasn't as quick in terms of the back well, maybe, and forth. Maybe yeah. I've just, it's like, you know, out of sight, out of mind now because everything is it's all a fever dream. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, the SNL cold open only has 10 minutes and there's only so much they could have captured in those 10 yeah. minutes. So I'll let them have that. But I thought for sort of like in a, an inaugural run, I thought Jim Carrey did fine. The chemistry yeah. between um, him and and Maya Rudolph and uh, Alec Baldwin is good too. I think that they played off of each other really well. Yeah, so that's yeah. important as well. I know a lot of people <laughs> yeah, were hoping America. Sudeikis would come back and do Biden because I guess he mm-hmm. his is a favorite. I didn't realize people did. loved his interpretation so much, but I did. He had a very good Joe Biden smile. I think that's what really made it work. <laughs> I liked Woody Harrelson lap. personally. He did really good too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we have to give some love to the WAP joke. Mm. America wants a WAP, a woman as president. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure we're going to see more of Maya Rudolph's Kamala yeah. this weekend because the VP debate is coming up and they will surely parody it. Okay, it's time for a word from our second and final sponsor today, who I am so excited to tell you about because they help make your home a happier place. They are FrameBridge. FrameBridge makes it easy and affordable to frame your favorite things without ever leaving the house. Add a gallery wall to your home office or send the perfect gift to a loved one. From art prints and diplomas to the photos sitting on your phone, you can FrameBridge just about anything. For photo prints, here's how it works. Just go to framebridge.com and upload your photo. They also have an integration with Instagram, so you can easily grab any pic from your profile. Preview your item online in dozens of frame styles and gallery wall layouts. Choose your favorite or get a free recommendation from their talented designers. The experts at Framebridge will custom frame your item and deliver your finished piece directly to your door, ready to hang. I recently ordered a couple prints and shared them on our social media channels. Please do check them out. They turned out amazing. And best of all, these prints were professionally printed and framed, so they looked perfect. Instead of the hundreds you'd pay at a framing store, Framebridge's prices start at $39 and all shipping is free. Plus, our listeners will get 15% off their first order at framebridge.com when they use our code MILLENNIAL. This is the way to upgrade your home with gorgeous personal touches. Our phones take these great pictures and they deserve to be printed so you can admire them every day. Get started today, frame your photos or send someone the perfect gift. Go to framebridge.com and use promo code millennial to save an additional 15% off your first order. Just go to framebridge.com promo code millennial. Again, that's framebridge.com promo code millennial. 
So what else are we chatting about today, Pam? Let's relax a little. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about uh, Hollywood. I feel like this show was very coronavirus heavy, but that is also trickling down over into what we're going to be seeing on the big and the small screen going forward, because, you know, life has a way of imitating art. And um, I specifically was thinking about all of these pandemic-themed projects that are coming down the pipeline, specifically because last week Netflix released its trailer for a new eight-part anthology series called Social Distance. I don't know if you guys had a chance to check that out, but essentially the show was um, shot all remotely from these actors' houses, and they actually ended up casting a lot of these people's relatives in an effort to maintain social distancing throughout production um, and to keep all of these different people separated. So I thought that that was kind of cool. Uh, It's a drama Mm. that kind of, you know, follows these people's lives during quarantine, very much like what we're all going through right now except maybe a little bit more dramatized. But Social Distance is not the only project that's in the works. Freeform has a show called Love in the Time of Corona coming out, which is a miniseries starring Leslie Odom Jr. of Hamilton fame. Um, And this focuses on singles searching for love amidst the pandemic. Oscar winner Charles Randolph, who wrote Bombshell in the Big Short, is also working on a script that's being referred to as the Untitled Wuhan Project. Um, and that's supposed to tell the story of the COVID-19 breakout, uh, outbreak from the, the origins. And then everybody's favorite uh, action movie producer, Michael Bay, is working on something called Songbird, which is a pandemic thriller set two years in the future where lockdowns have been reinstated. But um, Ellie's taking things one step further and dividing the population into have and have nots. So all of this to say that uh, even if coronavirus were to disappear tomorrow, uh, it's not going to be out of sight, out of mind. Um, and I thought that this was really interesting. And I wanted to know if like you guys are interested in seeing our reality uh, dramatized for the sake of entertainment or if you feel like it's a little bit too soon. Uh, I think the purpose of entertainment is to forget about what's going on in the real world. So I won't watch most of these, including Social Distance from Netflix. I would watch Freeform's Love in the Time of Corona, because that sounds interesting to me, like how singles are dating during this period. And by the way, I assume you have this title right. Why is it called Love in the Time of Corona? It's called coronavirus. Yeah, like, why I don't know. Should, I think they were maybe it? they were playing off of. I feel like that's something that people have been saying, right? Yeah, or well, maybe I, I got the title wrong. I, I don't like know. I have to uh, Google it. I feel like it's kind of a like love in the time of cholera. Like it's yeah, but like taking it's, it's not piece. called Corona. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay, it's, that's the right title. I just need to double check because I got scared for a minute. No, no, I wasn't surprised that you're right, but I'm like, I, that, like if I was high right now, I would be laughing my ass off at this. <laughs> yeah, and then I don't know, maybe that Michael Bay movie sounds kind of interesting. It won't actually, we won't actually see it for years from now. At which point, we can maybe watch a movie about that and not be triggered. Yeah, I, I think what's the most disturbing to me is like we're still in it. So especially while we're still in it, I don't know how interested I am to watch some of this. I don't, I I think it could be a good thing for posterity's sake. Like maybe in 10 years, (laughs) I'll be able to have the mental energy to put myself through it again. But like, we're going to be here for at least another year, 
before there are enough vaccines for everyone. So, yeah. yeah. I don't know if I want that to be part of my entertainment present. <laughs> right. How about you, Pam? No, I, I I totally agree. I just wasn't sure if I was the only one. I, I guess I kind of feel about this the same way I felt about all of those 9-11 movies that also felt like they came out too soon. Like yes. Nicolas Cage yeah. had that one where he was a firefighter and then there was the one about um you know the united flight there were a few about the united flight and it just like some of those even came out a few years after and it still felt too soon yeah well we're talking about something that's coming out next next week for netflix you know we're still in the thick of it yeah when you're looking at all the 9-11 movie examples some of the some of those started coming out as early as like 2005 right and when you when you're aware of the timeline that's involved with making a movie, like with pre-production, they bought those fucking rights like right. on September 12th. It's like crazy. <laughs> Not the same, but it's the same like Selena situation all over again. I know that you and yes. I talked about this a lot, Laura, where like she died in, what is it, 1997? The movie came out in 1998. Yeah. Uh, Come oh, on. By the way, yeah. where's the show? Wasn't that supposed to come out this year? Where Coming is it? soon, I hope. We're going to have to talk about this later. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I've been looking for it. Anyway, that's just something that I wanted to to bring up and, and uh, put on everybody's radar because everything's getting yeah. pushed back right now. There's no telling when we're going to see all of these movies that are already ready to go. But we sure as hell will have some uh, pandemic-themed stuff uh, being advertised to us very soon. So... Well, and speaking of delays, the next James Bond movie got delayed again. It was supposed to be out this past April. Then it was supposed to be out in November. Now it's pushed till late 2021. I believe November 2021. Or no, no, maybe it's April. Fuck. Yeah, no, it's a it it's a full year now. So it was meant to come out in April originally. And now it's going to be okay. out April 2021. But they had pushed it back first to October and then to November. So. Okay. Can't keep up. And no. because of this, Regal movie theaters in the United States and their parent company's theaters in the UK are closing indefinitely. They said, we were banking on bonds, and now that bonds been delayed, we just need to shut down our theaters. Jesus. I was surprised that so much was riding on bond for them. And yeah, it, it's really sad that this is happening I don't even believe that James Bond's going to come out in April now. Right. Unless there's a vaccine in like January. Even if there is a vaccine in January, not everybody's going to be vaccinated in time for April. So Poe in the Discord is talking about Dune. So that was announced to have been pushed back today. They pushed it back until October of next year. Um, But Wonder Woman 1984, which is also a WB picture, is actually still slated to come out on Christmas Day. Maybe. We don't know. So uh, reports were actually inferring that perhaps WB pushed back Dune so that two WB pictures wouldn't be competing for ticket sales within a week of each other. And Wonder Woman has been in the works for a while. That's another one that's been delayed time and time again. But at this point, it's like, I don't know why this news is surprising anymore. No, um, yeah. it it almost kind of feels like studios are spending more time shuffling and reshuffling and reshuffling these release dates, and they should mm-hmm. just kind of say, "We'll be in theaters at some point." It's not 
coming out this December. No, I don't think anything is coming. Like even Tenet, uh, Tenet was released for a minute in the UK, but we're not going to get that in the United States. And we shouldn't. We're not ready. No. Right. They need to just put that on HBO Max. Make people pay a premium, just like Disney did with Mulan. Yeah. People would pay for for Wonder Woman big time. Yeah. It just sucks because something like that, you know, like you want to see it on a on a big screen. Right. So right. I don't know. Maybe Regal needs to invest in some um pop up drive in screens. Yeah. That'd be cool. But, but that's that. not gonna make them a lot of money. No. Well, they could still do Over concession stands outside. Yeah, I guess it's better than nothing if they're cheap to run. They have everything. Like their kitchens are still workable, so they would just make everything inside the theater. And oh, that's true. Yeah, I don't know. I would bring my own food, though, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. You know, <laughs> but but the point is that they would have it there, so they could potentially. Make some yeah. money off of concessions. And I guess maybe you want to support them so you right. buy their concessions. Right, exactly. We wanted to spend a little time on WTF news, but since we're running out of time today, maybe we can just breeze through these headlines really quick. Sure. And then people can use their imagination to imagine what happened. <laughs> um, headline one, court rules Subway bread is not bread. <laughs> <laughs> this is real. And to me, this is the biggest scandal since we learned that the foot long is not actually a foot long. I almost oh, forgot about that. It? it was like 11 inches. Those oh. lying monsters. Well, 11 inches is not a foot long. So I understand the uh, upset, yeah. you know. <laughs> 11 inches of fake bread. Horrible. An inch makes a difference, man. It does. Oh, tell me. <laughs> um, next Headline, Walmart apologized for last year's Santa sweater featuring cocaine. Was that Calling that guy snow? Santa is generous. <laughs> he looks like, he looks like a Laura cokehead. High. I don't know. <laughs> he looks like me high. That's not what I look like. <laughs> the big eyes. <laughs> I'm kind of high right now. I don't look like that. See, that's why I'm thinking that. <laughs> that is a terrifying sweater yeah it is legit oh my legit god looks like santa's got like three lines of cocaine on the table what yeah. the hell <laughs> and he's got a straw in his hand <laughs> ready to snort more oh my god see what i love about this is andrew is getting progressively redder in the face i feel like i struck gold <laughs> um and then this last one archaeologists unearth remains of infants wearing the skulls of other children as helmets gotta do what you gotta do to survive that sounds like a headline <laughs> from a dystopian future honestly well it's actually a headline from the past um and the headline itself can sound alarming, but when you actually read the article, it does make sense. And I know that that sounds horrific. How does it make sense? Um, because this was, I forget which, um, let's see, which culture it was. It's members of Ecuador's Guangala culture may have outfitted the infants in skulls as a protective measure. So it sounds like. The, these skulls were already skulls. They didn't. They didn't kill people to get the skulls. Oh, um, I see. Yeah, I see. And I mean, in a culture before helmets existed, ahead of the curve. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What are we doing on After Dark today, Pam? Uh, we're going to talk about 
this term that was new to me a few weeks ago, which is toxic positivity. And uh, I thought, hmm, that sounds really interesting. So I read up on it and I thought it would be interesting to dive into and talk about what it is and why it's bad, take a little quiz and talk about our results to see if we are prone to toxic positivity or not. Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking about this. And this will be available on our Patreon today, patreon.com slash millennial. Before we head into recommendations and the closing, we did just want to say that this week's episode of Millennial has been sponsored by listeners like you. We are so thankful to everybody who's supporting this show, whether at the $2 tier, the $5 tier or the $10 tier. It's been really overwhelming in a positive way this year to see the amount of support that has grown for this show. And we just can't say enough about how much we think of all of you and the wonderful community that you've helped us create over at patreon.com slash millennial. So if you're interested in supporting the show, you can always head over there and pledge your support at any tier. And we have a number of different benefits. There's things like Palace Intrigue, the Millennial Variety Show, uh, Zoom Hangouts, our weekly flagship benefit after dark, um, which you just got a preview of here a couple of minutes ago. Um, So there's tons of good stuff to keep you busy over there. And even if you're not in a position to financially support the show, we would still really appreciate if you went to your favorite podcasting client and followed us and or subscribe to us. Excuse me, I'm talking like it's social media. Um, subscribe, (laughs) Subscribe to us. And also leave us a review if you're so inclined. Getting the word out there really helps us. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much. And it's time now for recommendations. I have kind of a broad recommendation for everybody this week. I've been thinking about how we keep hearing that this winter coronavirus cases can rise again. And, you know, especially in the United States. People are going to really have to, I hate to say hunker down again, because so many people have been hunkering down already. But I'm afraid that it's going to get really bad in this country again. So my recommendation is refreshing your space ahead of winter and this possible next major wave of cases. And by that, I mean, rearrange your space, bring in plants to green your space, paint a wall, find some new decorations. Target's got some really nice shit for decent prices, a lot cheaper than some of the other stores. So just... Freshen things up so you don't get too tired of the space that you're in, especially in winter when everything is kind of depressing outside already. I have kind of two recommendations. First, I just want to plug Overtone. Um, Overtone is this really great product. Um, It comes in like shampoos, conditioners, and deep conditioners that are heavily pigmented in various fun colors that you can use to keep your hair fresh while you're avoiding the salon during the pandemic. Over the weekend, I actually mixed up three of the overtone colors that I had left to make enough dye to do my hair. Um, So I mixed dark purple, hot pink, and a little bit of gray. And I'm really happy with the color that came out. It's like this kind of like really vibrant purple. Um, So really thrilled with that. It's like 40 bucks to get a pretty sizable tube of this stuff, and I've gotten multiple uses out of it. It's really allowing me to stretch out my hair habits until I can go back to the salon. So really, really dig it for that. 
And also wanted to give a plug for the Costco pharmacy because even if you are not a Costco member, you can still go to the Costco pharmacy and get your flu shot. And the great thing about this is if you are uninsured or underinsured, you can get your flu shot without insurance for $20. That is a game changer. Oftentimes when you go to your doctor or just like your regular grocery store pharmacy, they're going to charge you anywhere from $50 to $70 to get a flu shot without insurance. So paying $20 uninsured is a complete game changer for folks. Definitely recommend going there. God bless you, Costco. Mm-hmm. Cheap hot dogs and cheap flu shots. Yeah. What a deal. I wanted to recommend Stump Solo, which is the new YouTube series that launched, I think, last week. Um, Sola was a staple on the Bon Appetit Test Kitchen, which was very popular, but has since uh, fallen from grace, given some recent uh, diversity allegations. But she's back on YouTube now via the Babish Culinary Network. And it's just really fun to see her back on that platform doing what she does best. And the show's really fun. And so if you're missing the BA Test Kitchen, I would recommend checking that out if it has uh, not crossed your radar yet. So if you want to get in touch with us, millennialshow at gmail.com or use the contact form on millennialshow.com. Also, follow us on social media. We are Millennial Show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You'll get show previews, behind the scenes looks at the show, and a whole lot more. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. Bye, everybody. See ya. See ya.